Well, you picked an amazing, a very good Sunday to come here today. We're going to talk about Grace Covenant Church. We've talked about her past, you know, these last two Sundays, and now we're going to talk about her future, the future of Grace Covenant Church and what, we're, what our plans are. It says in the Bible that there is nothing comparable to the church. There is no thing in all of creation that is like the bride of Christ. Nothing on planet Earth. Nothing that you could even relate to in the context of wonder or beauty or brilliance or power or love and certainly potential. Oh, the potential of the church. When you are part of the church, you are part of where the Holy Spirit does his work. When we're united in, as a church to, do, to have a common goal that's way bigger and beyond anyone's individual goal, to do the will of God, to help change the world, to bring his gospel into people's lives, there is nothing like that. There is no thing that's ever been experienced like the church. And, and we're here to talk about that. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of Grace Covenant Church? This is the purpose of grace, to glorify God by guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. To glorify God by guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. This is our vision statement or our purpose statement. I, always, I don't know what any of those words really mean. I always get them mixed up, but this is, this is our direction. It has been for the last 50 years. Some version of this has been for the last 50 years. It is today and will be in our future. It is the beacon that we have drawn our, our, our steering to. It is the North Star that we made of all of our decisions. Right there. To glorify God. To glorify God. That means to give honor or to attribute value, weight to his majesty. And how do you do that? Every decision you make. In, obedience, in the context of obedience, glorifies him. It's the greatest expression of obedience, of, of glorification, is just to obey him. Because it, it's a fulfillment of the prayer on earth as it is in my life. You know, in my life as it is in heaven, right? On earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it, as it will be in heaven. That's how I show glory to God. And so Jesus tells us, how, how can a church obey him? How can we obey him? Well... He says so. It's one of the last, it's the, one of the last things he says, and certainly is in, in the book of Matthew. It says this, And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of this age. Now, this, this paragraph here, these few sentences, is called the Great Commission. And if you look at it carefully, you'll see the context is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. In other words, he has obeyed the Father to its completion, to become like man to the point of death, even death on a cross. And his conquest of death and the grave here, he has been given all authority in heaven and earth. Here's what he says. All the authority has been given to me. Here's what you are to do. Obey this. Make disciples. Make disciples. Go, baptize, teach. Make disciples. That's how you glorify God. Make disciples. What is a disciple? (laughs) 
So the people that heard this the first time, they knew what a disciple was, the culture there. And even now, the, disciple, the word disciple is getting back in, in vogue. It, it, it means to be a follower of someone to, in, in many ways, take on that, that person's attributes, his mannerisms. But it's bigger and deeper than that. It's, it's, it's values. It's worldview. It's even, sometimes you take even on the way they talk, even the way they speak. So there's two, two occasions in the New Testament where people are accused of being followers of Jesus, and the evidence is you kind of talk like him. You sound like that man from Galilee. Yeah, because we're his disciples. It happens that way. So a disciple is this, to become like Christ. That's what it means. Dallas Willard, a, a rather famous philosopher, and he was, a, he was a pastor, but also a teacher at USC, he described it this way. He said, a disciple is this. A disciple is who Jesus would be if he were you. <laughs> Isn't that clever? A disciple is who Jesus would be if he were you. And it, it, the point is, it's the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be like Jesus in his, in his Adamness. It, we go, when we talk about being a disciple, we're just going back to our original design. We weren't, we weren't designed to live in the fear that we live in. It's not part of the original plan that we would be consumed with ourselves. No. The design, the plan is to be like Christ in all of life. And, and that, what that looks like is, is enjoying other people, caring about other people, to, to, to love well and to be loved and to know deeply and to be known deeply, to serve others. And if you look at how Jesus... And his disciples, look how he changed their lives. He influenced, they were his disciples, they became like Jesus. And so the way they thought, when they, when they started their ministry together, they thought pretty much in a very material way. They had to learn that we live in two realms. And, and through their experience with Jesus, they started thinking spiritually and then physically, not just physically. He affected the way they felt about things. Mostly they were somewhat consumed about whatever drama or turmoil they were in. And they learned through spending time with Jesus to focus on the presence of God in those moments. They were with God in those times of turmoil. And not just their thinking or their feeling, but their actions as well. He takes these rather common cowardly men and they become famously courageous. All but one die as martyrs and happily so because they were disciples of Jesus Christ. So when you ask the question about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, you say, what would, what would Jesus be like if he were me? Like, what if he had my job? How would he do that job? What if he had my personality type? What if, see, right? If he had my personality type, if he had my family background and situation, if he lived where I lived, if he had the amount of money I have and my income flow, what would he do with that? If he had the history and the baggage in, in his life that I have in mind, what would he do with that? Become like Christ. What would Christ be like if he were me? That's the point. Now, that's what it means to be a disciple, to become like Christ. But we've added over in, the, in recent years, we said, become like Christ in all of life. Become like Christ in all of life. And we felt like we needed to add that because it's very easy to, for various reasons, but it's pretty easy to compartmentalize our lives. Sometimes in the, in the context of the hat that we're wearing. And so you can find a person that is like Christ at work and, and they're polite and they're caring and those sorts of things. And when they get home, wah, 
they're, 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 they're ogres. They're mean-spirited. They're dominating or whatever it might be, but not like Christ in the home. Or sometimes it's just reversed. They're very nice at home, but at work, well, you got to do what you got to do. Mm, no, it's like Christ in all of life. Sometimes we, we like, break up our soul, the soul is intellect, emotion, and will. And sometimes, especially in a Bible church like ours, some people say, oh, I'm going to be like Christ in the way I think. And we're famous for, you know, our study habits and our Bible knowledge and those sorts of things. But the soul includes emotions and volition as well. So sometimes what it means to become like Christ in all of life means to resuscitate or enjoy how the Lord might feel about a situation and learning how to do that and, and how to moderate that. Sometimes we can become like Christ in how we think or feel, but we still have to do those things that Jesus would do. So sometimes when we say become like Christ in all of life, we mean intellect, emotion, and will. Sometimes when we talk about become like Christ in all of life, it's because in the seasons of life, we maybe need to make some alterations. Because let's just pretend there's seven seasons in life. That's been a theory. Sometimes you can excel in a particular area of your life when you were a lot like Christ as a single person. Or maybe when you were in college or younger, a young adult. Wow. And then with each season, there comes new opportunities for challenge and opportunities to be afraid or or to be re- regretful in your life choices. And, and so you have to learn how to become like Christ in that, night, that next stage. So sometimes you can become like, and be a lot like Christ in your singleness, but maybe not it's single longer than you thought you would be, or maybe even single again. And so we don't want people to be in, involved in, in a spiritual life that keeps looking back about the glory days when they were really walking with God, but rather a constant revitalization and living in the moment of becoming like Christ in that place. Become like Christ in all of life. Just in summary, listen, this is who you were meant to be. This is, if for no other reason, listen, we're Americans, we're pragmatists. This is how life works, to be like Christ in all of life. Do you want to be a good wife? Be, be like Christ in your being a wife. You want to be a good dad? I want to be a great dad. I do. Well, here's the answer. Become like Christ in your parenting. You want to be a good boss? Here's how to be an excellent boss. Become like Christ in the way you manage the people and how you run your business. That's the way we were designed. That's the way things work. That's how the whole universe rolls. So become like Christ in all of life. It's simple it's just not easy. And what we try to do here at Grace is we try to collectively say, let's do this together. Let's just work through this together, shall we? Let's all become like Christ in all of our lives. So let me just put this on the screen so we can make sure we understand it. Here's what a disciple is to become like Christ in all of life. Let's all just say that together so we all know it, right? Ready? Disciple. Become like So when we talk about the vision of grace, we say, yep, it kind of applies itself in two ways. One, we want to become like Christ. I want to become like Christ in all of life, in every aspect and compartment and season of my life. And then I want to make disciples. I want to guide other people to become like Christ in all of life. It's like life is a 
terrible storm at sea, right? And there's, a, and there's riptides. And so how do I survive that? I become a strong swimmer. And not only am I going to become a strong swimmer, I'm going to help other people and guide other people to become strong swimmers. See, the matter, see how that works? Right. So it might, be, it might be part of becoming like Christ is how to overcome an addiction. And I'm not going to leave it there. I'm going to go and I'm going to help other people and guide other people in overcoming addiction. That's what we do at Grace. That's our big idea. That's our goalpost. That's how we keep score in a lot of different ways. That's, that's what we're hoping to do here. How do we do that? How do we implement this ambition to become like Christ in all of life, to make disciples? Well, at, at Grace, it's a little bit different. Actually, it's radically different than some churches, but, but it's, it's, this is where we put our, our, our emphasis, that every believer is a minister. When we talk about becoming a disciple, the, the responsibility is on all of us. So when Jesus was giving this command, the Great Commission, you know, to go and make disciples, he wasn't talking to just those 12 guys like they were special or they were priests. He was talking to all followers of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'm not up here as, as a priest with a special anointing. That's, that's not it at all. We are we are all priests. We are all part of this fellowship of ministry. And that's why at Grace, we say this quite often. And you know how it ends. I'm just a pastor, but you're the... That's right. We're all ministers. We're all doing this ministry of be- becoming like Christ and helping other people become like Christ. And so at this church, what we're focusing on, if you watch us and, and study what we try to do here, is we are developing and empowering and releasing the members to do the ministry. That's what we do. We, 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 the ministry power is in you, in this church, you know, on this campus, and out there. We try to train and encourage you and give life skills to do ministry on Sunday morning, absolutely. But the other six days of the week, for sure, that's the goal. In the book of Acts, there's 40 miracles that take place. 39 of them take place outside of church. I'll bet 39 out of 40 ministry opportunities available to you are not on this campus. So that's how we do this. We do this. This value that we have comes from the New Testament teaching. There's a book, Ephesians, and it's like how to do church. And, and this was one of the primary passages that uh, got grace started in the first place, and we're still going to follow that. Watch this. The gifts he, this is Jesus, the gifts the Spirit uh, he gave were that some of you would be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Who's doing the ministry? The saints. Everyone. Like all followers of Jesus Christ. That's why, like... The day I became a pastor, I became a player coach, not just a player. I became a coach, too, to train the lay people to do the ministry. And then, watch this, just, just for, I'm just adding this, uh, but the next in, a couple of verses later, what, to one end, to what purpose? Look what it says. Of the knowledge of the Son of God, to bring everyone to maturity, to the measure to, of the full stature of Christ. Measure of the full stature of Christ. That looks a lot like Christ in all life, doesn't it? So if you can see in this passage in Ephesians, you can say, you can see that everybody, every believer is a minister for the purpose of guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. 
There isn't three sentences in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. That's, that's the goal. That's how we do it. And so at Grace, we do this. We empower, we equip, and we, and we get our ministry ideas from you guys. Many of the great ministries here at Grace Covenant Church were regular ministers saying, hey, let's try to do this. And you know why a lot of the great ministry ideas come from you guys? Because that's where the ministry is. That's where the ministry is. 39 out of 40 are outside these walls. And so we're looking for opportunities to help. I want you to know this is kind of almost behind scenes a little bit, but at Grace, when we find, when someone comes to us and says, hey, I have this great opportunity for ministry, and we, we run it through this grid. If you look at the way our church is structured, you'll see kind of the consequence of that. But it goes like this. We, we adopt a ministry, or we adapt to a ministry, or, or we bless a ministry. Adopt, adapt, or bless. In the context of adopting a ministry, we find out a ministry that's greatly needed, and we say, look, we're going to throw as much resources as we possibly can. And at Grace, resources means, you know, people, even, even employees, and buildings, and free rent, and all that other stuff, and sometimes even buildings themselves. So one of those ministries, we realized we needed a caring ministry, uh, one that included Celebrate Recovery. We found a good ministry that's called Celebrate Recovery, and we said, boom, we're going to adopt this. And we rearrange staff positions, and we rent a facility and arrange child care, right? We free rent. There's no rent there. Uh, free child care. We want to make this thing sing. We adopted that. Our, our, actually, our children's ministry and our youth ministry are ministries that we said, you know what? Our parents need help raising their children. It's, you know, they're responsible to God. We've built two buildings, right? Millions and millions of dollars have been given to those two ministries, the children and youth. They have the largest number of personnel that are our hired staff for that, the highest number of pastors involved in that, those two ministries. We just adopted those. On the other extreme, there's adopt over here, adapt in the middle, and then bless. There's some ministries that don't need a lot of our attention or resources. Uh, it used to be called Moms in Touch. I think it's called Moms in Prayer now. Some uh, women found out about a ministry that we can be praying for our children and their teachers and the administration. Man, how, we just want to bless you. How do we help you? We just want to bless you. We'll pray for you. And if there's anything, advice you might need, I don't think you do, but go. Go get them. There's adopt, and then there's bless. And in the middle, there's, there's adapt. And adapt is we send some resources, you know, limited, but we send some resources towards these ministries. We give strategic support and some advice in those things. But the lay person is doing the ministry. It's because it's their ministry. And so, again, this is a, a little bit unusual. A lot of churches don't do this, and this, this is kind of our value. I stole it from a church that stole it from a hardware store, but it goes like this. You can do it, and we can help. We're Grace Depot. That's us. And so this is, this, is this, this is the adapt part. You can do it, and we can help. That's what we do here. And so uh, a lot of churches don't do this. They, they're just going to do whatever they're going to do. They don't follow the lead from every believer is a minister. But we understand, look, you are the primary person and the best person to raise your children. And so you can do that, and we can help. And we provide resources at our adult communities and resource tables. And some of our pastors are experts in this area. You can train people to how, learn how to start a business in the Congo, Africa. Right? Greg Herring did that. It was a ministry that he had. We were like, you can do it, and we can help. We tried to help in every way we could. 
You want to figure out a way to serve your neighborhood? You can do that. We can help. Maybe we can point you to resources that are available to you. You want to learn how to share Jesus Christ at work in a way that that makes it easy to hear? You can do it. We can help. One of our lay people came to us almost over 25 years ago and said, we've got to do something about the poor in Austin, the uneducated, the people that are unfortunate. And it's like, you can do it, Tim Benson, and we can help. And Mission Possible started, one of the largest, most influential, successful ministries uh, east of the freeway. Just a minister, just guys doing ministry, us trying to, you know, adopt or adapt. That's what we do here at Grace. We've been doing it. We continue to do it. Look at yourself in that context. Now, I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Today, I want to talk about, in the context of applying this to our life, I want, to, I want us to look at this. When we say become like Christ in all of life, I'd like to talk about the, the, the topic, the subject is relationships. Become like Christ in all of life in our relationship. This is that section that, I, that might be a compartment. And be, the reason I say this is because when you look at the life of Jesus, which is what we're, we're supposed to be doing, if you look at his life in the context of just relationally speaking, you can see that he had... Uh, intentional application towards three types of people or three relationships. In other words, he has three loves. And based on those relationships, he gives time and attention to those. And if we're going to become like Christ in all of life, we need to become like Christ in all of life in the context of relational values, in relational values. He had these three great loves. We need to have all three of these great loves in the same proportion that he had. So here's the kind of the application I'm going to tell you ahead of time. Score yourself on this. I'm going to give you three types of relationships that Jesus had. Are you like Christ in this part of your life? Okay. This is the balance, you know, this is like the balanced relational life. I'm overemphasizing here. The balanced, the balanced physical life, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's not easy, but you eat right, you sleep right, you exercise right. Point. These, these are relational balance. Up, in, out. Those three types of relationship. Up to the Father. Up to the Father. Jesus, if you read through the biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see Jesus pulling off and away from the crowd and his followers going off by himself, usually up to a mountaintop, and and having intimacy with his Father. That's where he's being fueled and getting direction and getting nurtured. Up with the Father. That's where worship takes place. That's where he finds himself in his first love. How are you doing? Do you have experiences like that where like on a, it should be like on a daily basis? Worship, prayer, where you talk and when you listen to the Spirit of God in your life. Where you study the Bible so that you might know who God is and what he's done. How's that? How's your up relationship? Next one, he, it goes, he goes in. He comes down off the mountain, and he invests into his followers. He disciples. He's investing purposefully to the people that have already made a commitment to him, the men and women in his inner circle, right, those people that were his. And he spends more than 50% of his time with those men and women. That's what he does. He has up relationships, and then he goes in because he knows that's what matters. That's where longevity happens. That's, that's for a point and for a purpose. How about you? Are you involved in a group of Christians, brothers and sisters, 
where you can learn and where you can teach, where you can mentor and be mentored. It's a vital aspect of a balanced relational life. There's up, there's in, and then finally there's out. After he had spent time with the Father, after he invests in his disciples, then they go out into the world and bring salvation to sin. They, go, they bring healing to injury. They bring honor to shame. And he does this on purpose with his friends. He does this in the context of individual sin and collective kind of a societal sin. He brings this redemption. What about you? Do you have a place of ministry? Do you have a place where there's people that don't know the Lord and maybe you're there for a purpose? You might have that place. Do you see that that's the reason you're there, that God has put you there for that very purpose? Let me just summarize. In the life of Jesus Christ, this is how he was relationally balanced, up, in, and out. This is the balanced Christian life. It has always been the balanced Christian life. If you want to become like Christ in all of life, you have to have this balance. It is so easy for us to gravitate towards one of our, one area, maybe okay in another area and completely ignore a third. You can see this in, 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 in family styles, right? In, in kind of a family philosophy. Sometimes we just fall into it because we don't like, we don't like our backhand, so we spend our whole tennis game running around our backhand, Right? Because we're uncomfortable there. So you see some people do this. They're, like, they're going to pr- private school their kids. That's a good thing. You know, don't get me wrong. Christian school. And then they, they involve themselves in, in hobbies or sports. Oh, let's make sure that's all Christians. You know, it, the whole league is Christian and all the kids are Christians. And then we never miss youth group. I'm not against that either. Okay. Never miss those church events either. But if, if, that's, if that's the diet, it's out of balance, friends. And when this child turns 18, it's not uncommon for them to say one of two things. One is, I'm done. I think I've hit my life, you know, quota for all of this stuff. Or two, they're too weak to live outside the bubble. They either get sick of the bubble or they're too weak to live outside the bubble. That's because they don't have a healthy balance in this. Uh, the other, there's another extreme, right, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to public school my kid and get him exposed to all that kind of stuff. He needs to learn how to take that stuff. And then I'm put him on a sports team where no one uses the Lord's name except in vain. And then, yeah, we get around to the youth group. What? Don't neglect this thing. And then when they get turned 18, they're like, who's the Lord anyway? So here's the thing. Out of balance is out of balance. And that's just all there is to it. And, and so we've got to play in an area that we're not comfortable. And let me tell you, when you're in an area you're not good at, you're going to lose. Get used to losing. It's okay to lose. And so some of you need to find yourself in secular circumstances and maybe pick up a hobby where you can know other people outside of the church and make some, make some mistakes. It's okay. That's how you grow. Some of you, church is kind of awkward to you. That's where you're nervous. That's where you're not so good. That's okay too. Just, just do it and, and learn how to do it, and you'll get better at it. But don't be afraid of failing because this this. Balanced relationship, it's, it's everywhere in the Bible. It's everywhere in the church, up, in, and out. Before I went to graduate school, I worked in what I would consider one of the best youth ministries in the entire North America. As a matter of fact, that youth pastor became the head youth pastor for the Southern Baptist Convention. 
A lot of our youth ministry is based on that youth ministry. This is, his youth ministry is called the youth ministry. And by the, he meant this, T-H-E-E-E. Exaltation, that's a church word for worship. Edification, another church word for, you know, relating to other believers. And then evangelism. He knew this, a healthy youth group includes all three E's, up, in, and out. In seminary, I would go to graduate school, and I take a class on the church. It's called ecclesiology, and we, we have one paper to write. It's worth 50% of our grade, and it is the purpose of the church. How is the local church supposed to work? And after extensive research, every, I think everyone in the class came up with these three things, up, in, and out. Surf a bunch of web pages of, of various churches. You're going to find they're going to use different clever words, but they're going to talk about worship. They're going to talk about discipleship, and they're going to talk about evangelism because that's what it looks like. It's the healthy balance. It always is. So it is for a youth group. So it is for a church. So it is for an individual. So here it is. Challenge time. What's your next step? What's your back end? What do you need to work on? What areas of growth do you need the most? In, in, the, in the context of what we're talking about here in this relational balance, why don't you join us? Why don't we just all get in on this together and say, look, we're going to try to do all three of these and do it well. You can help me in your area of strength. I can help you in your area of strength. In the context of application number one, up. Here's an easy win. Come to church every Sunday. Make Sunday worship Okay, where we worship and we pray right, and we learn, make that a priority. Live your life around that day. Don't let other things chase it out or, or contaminate it. If this is your weak area and, and you come here and you don't feel all that comfortable, I understand that. You think it's kind of boring here sometimes or sometimes you're kind of offended? Yeah, me too. And I'm the one saying this stuff. I'm bored. I'm offended. Okay, so yeah, okay. So you, take, you just tap and then you come back the next time. That's what you do. Easy win. How about in? Are you invested in communities that are giving and you're getting from? Like, again, an easy win here would be joining one of our, uh, our communities, our adult communities, or one of our courses, or one of our midweek studies. Or even better, you could join uh, our children's ministry and be a mentor where you're the one doing the giving. But you have to find yourself, get it going up, but also in towards others. And then last, that's, that's the challenge. Do you need to do one more, you know, a plus one at Grace? Last is, is out. What's your relationship like facing out? Do you have a ministry? Do you have people that you love, that you know and you love that aren't churchgoers? Go there. Go there and fail. Go there and try it out. Go just like you can do this and we can help. Go and find that place. A lot of us have that place, but we don't, we don't have the eyes for it. Just pray on the way to that, that gym or that workplace or whatever it might be. That's your place in the world. That's why God put you here. In his foreknowledge, in his sovereignty, he placed you there for that very purpose. The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. I've read the book of Revelations. Have you? Church, Jesus comes back. That's it. It's on us. 
And if, if you want to pray for the world, here's how to strategically pray for the world according to the Bible. Pray for the church. Because when the bride of Christ is healthy, when she is balanced, when she is being a disciple and making disciples, the world is better for it. Because it is through the church that the Spirit of God will be working to change lives, institutions, and the world itself. That's how it works. That's what the owner's manual says. Be the church. Be a disciple. Help guide other people into discipleship. Let me tell you a fun story. I want to tell you this story because this is how we keep score here at Grace. This is how we keep score. This is how we celebrate. This is what we celebrate. Every believer is a minister. Uh, one of the ladies in our church, she wanted, she just felt like the Lord had put her in her, in her neighborhood for a divine purpose. And she wanted to get to know other ladies in her neighborhood. So she talked to a friend across the street and they talked and they said, why don't we do a Bible study for our neighborhood? And so they prayed about it, and they said, let's do that. They informed the, the, the women around, and they had their first Bible study, and there were 20 women that showed up, 20 women. That was 20 years ago. And now there's 75 women and maybe hundreds that have come through the study. And it doesn't, it's not one Bible study anymore. It's five different locations, and it's not one neighborhood. It's all over the Northwest Austin area. And here's, here's the beauty of it. It was her ministry. We can do it. You know, you can do it. We can help. And, that, and, and they've stayed. It's, it's been a great way of touching souls in neighborhoods where people just pull in their cars and then they drop the garage doors and you don't even know them. And she wanted to do something about that. And a lot of the ladies that attend this study, they don't go to churches that study the Bible. They don't go to churches that help one another become like Christ in all of life. And through the influence of that, who knows? She'll find out when she gets to heaven. But here's the point. Every believer is a minister. And when we see with the eyes that Jesus uh, placed us here for this time and this place, we can see the ministry that's all around us. A ministry that we become like Christ in all of life and we guide other people to become like Christ in all of life. That is what the church is all about. I want to tell you more about it next week. But today, we'll end with a word of prayer. Lord, we are so grateful that we can be the church, that we get to live here and now. I would not be a very good Jew. And so I get to be Irish and one of yours. And I don't have to do what Jewish people had to do because this church is the way. The church. You've handed it off to the church, and we are that church. Lord, I'd ask that we would become a church that sees the fullness of all you have for us, all that you've ever intended for us. And we would do those things, that we would think your thoughts about our lives and the lives around us, that we would feel your passions, and we would do your will. Lord, help Grace become all that you'd ever hoped for her to be and help us hear that, that we might understand it and be fulfilling that. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.